This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. What is it, guys, they say in a wedding? We are gathered here today to witness the pairing of these two dot, dot, dot. Well, that's why we call together this edition of Cardinals Underground, Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Kyle Odegaard, and full disclosure off the top, I want to share with you guys, so you're well aware that you are podcasting with someone, pause for effect here, who did actually use an exclamation point in a tweet earlier today. So I know you got that that opens me up to a lot of scorn. Uh, if I was in the press box, I wouldn't be in there for long at this point. But I want you to know, Kyle, that uh, you know what I thought, and I might hate myself in the morning, but, but as of a few moments ago, there was an exclamation point used, polypunctuation in a tweet announcing the arrival of J.J. Watt to the Arizona Cardinals. I did a quote tweet. Mine said, wow, it had a period at the end, but I think you encapsulated – everybody's feelings I mean we heard about the Browns and the Bills and the Packers and the Steelers and then across the timeline comes J.J. Watt in a Cardinals jersey and my immediate thought was okay who's doing the hoax who photoshopped this okay that's a blue check mark with Adam Schefter are we sure this is true and then it's like boom 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 5,000 tweets that he signed and it was definitely just delirium after that I it's 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 really I mean to think guys that we're sitting here not quite at the one year anniversary of when we heard about DeAndre Hopkins, which was the same thing. You're sitting around and then all of a sudden on social media it pops up that this guy's coming to the Cardinals. And uh, look, I've answered questions about this since JJ Watt, even before he got released in the mailbag. Um, and I kept saying, "There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way." <laughs> Uh, I, I wasn't that I didn't think they wouldn't would have interest. I, it was just that I thought he was going to be too expensive given the circumstances of the cap and everything. And I was absolutely wrong. And I, I rebuke myself for, I should have just said, never say never. I should have just gone in that direction. Darren, Darren, if we weren't socially distanced right now, you know what I would do? Where is it? Here it is. I give you, Oh, look out. I would <laughs> give you yourself ball. I would give you the trophy for winning the offseason. I would pass it. The one that we've had here ever since the DeAndre Hopkins trade last year, the Rex Ryan Award for winning the offseason. That's why it's a, it's a miniature trophy because it is the offseason. But, you know, just the news that came down much in the same fashion as DeAndre Hopkins for the second straight offseason, I'm going to have to go on the injury report with whiplash, the neck injury from what? I mean, you just couldn't believe what you were seeing and I think it was uh, some of the, the guys who, who dabble in Vegas and the wagering and sports gambling, Kyle, right? J.J. Watt wasn't even on the, 
on the list of teams that were offered odds in the sweepstakes for J.J. Watt. Yeah, and we talked about this last time we podcasted, and I thought the Cardinals would be aggressive this offseason because Kyler Murray is going into his third season of his rookie deal, and I felt like everything was coming together where the Cardinals wanted to push hard this offseason and Steve Kime would be aggressive. I did not think it was going to be J.J. Watt. I thought it might be a, a wide receiver or a cornerback, a different position, but clearly they were willing to spend the money on a guy who has – a ceiling that's higher than probably any free agent defensively out there. So you can understand why they did it. And they gave him a pretty penny reportedly about $31 million over two years. So 15 and a half a year. Um, But yeah, I mean, if he's healthy, if he's playing well, you just know what that does for the entire defense. If he's getting consistent pressure and now we're all thinking it Chandler Jones and JJ Watt together, that could be a big time pairing. You know, I use the word consistent but I'll use it in a different context. To me, the Arizona Cardinals just address their biggest off-season need. They need more than anything else, consistent energy, consistent urgency, consistent intensity. And to me, J.J. Watt, for everything he does on the field and across the defensive line, whether they're going to play him on the edge and or inside and probably all the above, as we all know, Vance Joseph and Vance Joseph knows J.J. Watt very well from their days together in Houston. That was the Cardinals' biggest need to me. It was week 16, the inexplicable lack of intensity and energy. It was going all the way back to week three and that loss to the Lions where Cliff Kingsbury cracked the mic in the postgame presser and said, that wasn't us out there. That reared its head too often during the 2020 season to not address here in the offseason. And anybody who's seen any of the videos of J.J. Watt mic'd up by NFL Films, this guy is going to step right into that role that, quite honestly, the Cardinals have been lacking ever since the loss of Calais Campbell, a Tyron Matthew, someone who can just step in, lead the pregame pep talk, People dismiss that. I know the analytics don't quantify it. I get it, Kyle. (laughs) But that, to me, was a persistent and palpable problem last season. And I think J.J. Watt goes a long way towards addressing that, along with his skill set as a player. I I agree with you. I I think that is a big part of wanting to bring him in uh, is because of that consistent motor. Uh, It's another reason why – if, if there is, there's still a possibility, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about this in a little bit, but if you have a chance to maybe bring back Marcus Golden, who has that same kind of energy, you, you want to build upon that. And, and the other thing, it's funny that you bring that up as the number one thing. The more you talk about it, the more I would agree with you, Paul, with that. But I will also say one of the first things I thought about uh, when it came to this was the leadership that he brings to the locker room. And, and, and the gravitas that he brings to the locker room that, that maybe they don't have, or maybe that they could potentially lose if Larry Fitzgerald retires or if Patrick Peterson leaves as a free agent or whatever might happen with Corey Peters coming off that injury. So um, that's something there too. And it doesn't hurt that it's splashy. It doesn't hurt that, like Kyle said, it kind of came out of left field um, and literally because of, of all these other teams that people thought where he might go. But um, I, I just, I think it's a big step in the right direction and it's got everybody's attention and we won't know for a number of months what it really means on the field. Hopefully he stays healthy again, like he did last year, 
Uh, but I do think it's a good move for a team, like Kyle said, that is pushing their chips in in Kyler Murray's third season. Darren, we're on the same page. When I talk about his motor and the intensity, the urgency, uh, to me, that is a guy leading by example. That yeah. is leadership. And I think that leadership will happen in the locker room. You can look at some of those Houston Texans wired videos and you can see him the way he does lead before the game, after the game, in the locker room. That's something that the Cardinals need. And, and that's not just us saying it. Uh, you listen to the players a couple of weeks ago during the Super Bowl media interviews or thereafter. Remember, Kyle, there was Kyla Murray doing some of the national interviews and saying and admitting he didn't know which team was going to show up from Sunday to Sunday. I think this addresses that in a big way. I'll throw you guys a bone and agree a little bit on this. Um, I do feel like his work ethic, his, his gravitas, like Darren mentioned, like because of JJ Watt, this defense is going to have more of a swagger to it and believe it can be one of these top tier defenses. So I think that'll help in the off season in, in training camp where these guys are going to come together and be confident. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you want leadership, Darren mentioned Corey Peters and he's a great leader and you can sign him for 2 million bucks or whatever it's going to be in free agency, J.J. Watt might be a great leader, but he's also a great player. And the more important thing to me is how good he is on the field, how disruptive he is on the interior, which you haven't had since Calais Campbell, like you said, Paul. And I think as much as he's going to help from a leadership standpoint, it's all about the pass rush to me, where if you get cranking with J.J. Watt and with Chandler Jones and Jordan Phillips is still on this team. He had, um, you know, double-digit sacks or close to it two seasons ago. He got injured last year, but he's got that high-end ability. And you look at the cornerback situation right now, and it's scary not knowing what's going to happen. But if you get four guys up front that can win their individual matchup, you're not going to have to blitz as much. You can drop more guys, and it makes everything easier. So this could be the Cardinals' best pass rush since 2016, and I'm excited to see what it looks like on the field. Yeah, Patrick Peterson wanted to re-sign before. He certainly does now, right? Because a corner's best friend is pressure on the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. You know, it's, it's funny you bring that up, Paul, because honestly, that was one of the first things I thought. Well, two things. One, if, if the money is what we think it is, and, and I, we'll have to see how this contract is situated. Somebody made the point on Twitter, and forgive me, I don't remember who it was. I believe it was one of the guys that, that worked the numbers oftentimes. They said they wouldn't be surprised if this contract, it's a two-year contract, but it might officially be a five-year contract with three voidable years to spread out the cap hit, kind of what they did with Devondre Campbell last year, where it was always a one-year deal, but they made it over a number of years to spread it out, at least initially. And so they can take much bigger, a much bigger hit next year or in two years or whatever it might be. So it, it does give them flexibility that way. However, you, you think, okay, this is going to eat up a chunk of what you were already planning on having. Do you have to make other cuts? Do you know you're going to have to cut other people? At the same time, and we were just talking about this, I believe you were pushing this, Paul, when it came to Larry Fitzgerald. Is this the big move you make at the beginning to have everybody say, well, I want to go there now, and I might take a little bit less to do it. And in an offseason where because of cap issues across the league, there's going to be more players than ever that are willing to do that one-year cheaper deal, why not go to Arizona for the mm -hmm. one year? I mean, 
There's going to be a whole bunch of stuff you're going to have to deal with as an organization next year when everybody's a free agent again. But that you worry about that then. You worry about Kyler Murray in his third year on his cheaper contract and J.J. Watt being here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But who knows? Maybe Fitz will play for the minimum. Well, Probably not, but maybe. Nobody has more free agents than the Arizona Cardinals, correct? So, uh, I believe so. I believe that's correct. If there is a team that is capable of shuffling the deck, it's definitely – the Arizona Cardinals right now as structured. Now, obviously, cap room is going to be a big part of that. When we started this week, and by the way, does March not come in like a lion right now? What's that old saying about March coming in like a lion? Well, on March 1st, it just came in with a roar. There's no doubt about it. And when we all started this month, there was 16 plus million available in cap space, according to a lot of the sites that track this sort of stuff. Now, what other maneuvers are the Cardinals going to make? How is this contract structured? I wouldn't be surprised if it's really loaded into year two when the cap is expected to go to 210 million plus. We'll get details on that, I'm sure, a little bit later. But with the Cardinals starting this whole process with 28 unrestricted free agents, and to revisit what we talked about in the last edition of Cardinals Underground and that Darren referred to, well, who's better than the guy who has the biggest network of contacts and relationships in the NFL right here, right now, than Larry Fitzgerald. Who's better than a guy who's a minority owner in the NBA where it's done with impunity and regularity where these, quote, super teams are built, or at least the players are doing a lot of the recruiting? Well, if DeAndre Hopkins wasn't responsible for J.J. Watt, maybe Larry Fitzgerald had a big part of that. Or maybe Larry Fitzgerald picks it up from here, and they start filling out the rest of the roster, and nothing elevates a guy's worth than being on a winning team. Nothing enhances a guy's brand that, oh, I don't know, you get this super team loaded up, you make a run in the postseason, and then everyone can cash in thereafter. J.J. Watt got a good monetary deal, so I'm not sure. Maybe he talked to some guys that helped convincing, but he got a good contract. To me, the most interesting thing, like Darren said, is is this sexy enough of a splash that other guys feel like the Cardinals are really building something, and now you've got Kyler Murray and J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins and Chandler Jones, and, hey, we want to be a part of that. So that is super intriguing to me where six days ago I said the Cardinals might not be in that tier of teams because they just went eight and eight they didn't make the playoffs they weren't like automatic contender status but if you get jj watt maybe you do another high profile move at the start of free agency and then guys on one year deal maybe they do plug in at certain positions and a cornerback wants to play for cheaper because he likes the pass rush things like that but the avenue of opportunities to me seems a lot wider now. And, and what Darren said to me is pretty intriguing. Will guys look at this situation like he mentioned? How many sacks did the Arizona Cardinals have last year as a team? They did finish in the top 10, did they not? Uh, yes, they did. Okay. I don't so, remember the number off the top of my head, but it was, it was, I mean, they rivaled what they did the year before with Chandler Jones. And so Chandler missed two-thirds of the season, at least. Now you – so you have Chandler back coming off a biceps injury. It's not like we're all wondering what sort of burst he's going to have. It wasn't a lower body injury, knock on wood. And then you have J.J. Watt, uh, Jordan Phillips, the potential there of his return. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, obviously, is going to be an X factor. And we saw Vance Joseph used him not only blitzing through the A-gaps, but coming off the edge at times. Darren, I was intrigued by the fact you mentioned Marcus Golden – returning but you didn't say anything about Hassan Reddick do you think this precludes re-signing Hassan Reddick I don't know if it precludes him but I mean as you guys mentioned I mean 
J.J. Watt's not coming here on the cheap because he wanted to be reunited with DeAndre Hopkins. He's coming here because he got paid what he wanted to get paid and what his market worth he felt it was. And in fact, I did see one report from NFL Network that said he was never going to take a cut rate deal just to chase a ring. And you have to wonder if part of this shock of shock, he's coming here because this was the best monetary deal he could get. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what it's about. Uh, it's not like it's a bad team. I know Ed Werder tweeted out the reporter for ESPN that uh, quarterback was actually one of the top things JJ Watt was looking at. So you got to feel like he's got to feel comfortable with Kyler Murray. He's been around Vance Joseph. I think he's going to be comfortable in the kind of defense they're going to play and how they're going to use him. Uh, but I'm sure the money was up there. I mean, he wasn't going to play for $8 million a year. He, he wanted what he has been making. So um you know, I, I'm not sure exactly how he ended up here per se. I don't know if how much he's going to tell us, uh, if he's going to go Pete Kendall style on us. And when somebody asked why Pete Kendall signed with the Cardinals, he looked at us and he goes, because they offered the most money. I mean, what are you, dumb? Uh, he didn't say the dumb part, but he looked at us like that. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I do think he fits well. I agree with Kyle that uh, – some of your concerns on the back end gets alleviated if you have a front seven and a, a front four, especially that can really uh, wreak some havoc up front because that was an issue. That was an issue up front with this team. This team needed a, a bigger, better piece for the defensive line. And they just got potentially one of the best ones. And don't forget, they finished bottom third in stopping the run. And that was a persistent problem through the year. Now, a lot of that had to do with no Chandler Jones and no Corey Peters and dealing with rookie defensive linemen, the two fourth rounders who weren't always available themselves. And so you had a lot of no names and a lot of journeymen up front due to the injury situation. But Kyle, J.J. Watt goes a long way towards that as well. He's not just a guy who's going to get into the backfield. He is stout at the point of attack. And so all told, you know, that – that's what guys always say up front, right? Stop the run, earn the right to rush the passer. Yeah, I mean, J.J. Watt is, is great at every single facet when he's healthy and he's, when he's kind of productive and in, in the game. I think that's the biggest question is, will he be healthy? I think it's a really good thing that he just played all 16 games a year ago, and he's probably not going to be the same guy at his absolute peak when he was just – one of the most dominant players in NFL history, really. But even if he's a rung below that, you're still talking about a Pro Bowl guy, if it all comes together, an all-pro type guy. So I think stopping the run, rushing the passer, intelligence, all that sort of stuff. I mean, he knows how to stop and put his hand up and deflect a pass, even if he's not getting there. Like all those little things he does in an extremely high level. So I think you're going to get great things out of him, great things out of Chandler Jones. I do think that other edge position, if J.J. Watt plays in the interior, what, what you're going to do there is very intriguing to me where Marcus Golden now probably makes more sense, like Darren was saying, because he's not going to cost as much as Hassan Reddick. At the same time, if you're pushing all your chips in and you want to try to figure out a way to get Hassan Reddick back, and yeah, it's going to take some massaging of the cap and you're really going to be kicking the can down the road. But if you feel like this, these next two years are your absolute best chance to push for a title, then you do everything you can. So I feel like the chances of Hassan Reddick coming back are decreased from before the J.J. Watt signing. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's not possible because 
they might want to just keep on pushing and getting at as many good players as possible on both sides of the ball. And obviously Hassan Reddick showed that he can be a really good player in this league. It, it is interesting to me uh, with the Reddick stuff about how this goes when, you know, maybe uh, we, we don't know what his market's going to be. We've all assumed somebody's going to step up and pay this big amount of money. And we don't know what Hassan is expected either. And that very well could happen. I mean, as Kyle has made the point, he's in a perfect age range. He's been productive in the, in that spot when they finally put him there. So I think somebody will actually take a chance on that, even though he only did it for one year. However, maybe the market doesn't pan out because of how things are and because he's only done it one year. And if all things being equal, if you're Hassan Reddick, who's, who was talking about wanting to go knowing where there's a fit for him, knowing he could probably have a giant year if he's playing on the other side of Chandler Jones and potentially JJ Watt and take another bite out of next year. Maybe he comes back on a one-year deal. You, you don't know. And I think all these options are there and nor if it was a normal off season with a salary cap, I think Hassan Reddick is gone, but because of the circumstances, because the market will have shrunk because there's not as many teams that can pay it. I'm not ruling anything out. And as I uh, rightfully slapped myself earlier in this podcast, uh, if I'm, if I don't go with the never say never with anything uh, after JJ Watt coming here, I'm just being an idiot. Maybe this is a good time to work in. Then we're brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, <laughs> proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. It's Cardinals Underground as we let that hang in the air. Anytime Darren's taking a shot at himself, you know, we won't get in his way. Let's <laughs> just be honest with you on that one. I, look, I we all know J.J. Watt's prowess. I, I didn't have a real handle, though, on his standing in the history of the game. When you see that he just became the fourth player in NFL history with 100 career sacks in his first 100, 100, first 120 career games, joining Reggie White, Bruce Smith, and Demarcus Ware. I, that, that is elite Hall of Fame company. Uh, and then, and I heard this point made, I think it was Lewis Riddick on ESPN, how many times has he ever played against a with a premier pass rusher? How many other times has he, now Jadavian Clowney, obviously, but was Clowney ever the first priority of an offensive coordinator? I'm guessing every game plan started with how do we stop J.J. Watt? Now you've got a real choice. Now, and remember when the Cardinals added Chandler Jones back in the day, that was, that was one of the key driving reasons, Kyle, was, you know, we're not giving offensive coordinators enough problems, enough headaches. We're not giving them enough to, to keep them up at night, and we need to get that edge rusher Who's going to make them wonder what exactly do I do? Well, now, if Chandler Jones is still going to command that sort of respect and the only guy who has more sacks than J.J. Watt over the last almost decade would be Chandler Jones, then guess what? J.J. Uh, Watt is that guy, and for the first time ever, J.J. Watt might face a lot more single blocking than he's accustomed to, and what will that mean in terms of his production? Yeah, I mean, if he plays on the interior, I still think he's going to get a healthy amount of double teams. And I believe last season he got double teamed 30% of the time or so, which may have led the NFL. And I mean, you're right. Having Chandler Jones on the other side uh, or on the edge could allow him more time to have one-on-ones. But I still feel like if J.J. Watt's on the field, teams aren't going to want to do that too often. Um, so maybe that just means more 
protection for teams, which means fewer receivers to throw to, or Chandler Jones gets more one-on-ones. What Darren said, I think is bang on. Whoever the other edge rusher is, they're going to have one-on-ones all season long if those two guys are on the field at the same time. But to me, it's also important to note that Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are both over 30 at this point and still still both uber productive very recently. So I think it's it's not a pipe dream to think both of them are double-digit sat guys. But also Chandler got hurt last year. J.J. Watt's dealt with some injuries. So you just have to make sure that both of them stay healthy because if I do, I think it's going to be a dynamic combination. You just have to worry a little bit about about the health track record of J.J. Watt and the age thing. So it's not a complete slam dunk like they're 26 or 27. But that being said, the ceiling for those two is still extremely high. And, and the reality is this. You, people might be like, oh, you paid him $15.5 million a year for two years or whatever it is. He wasn't – if he wasn't going to be 32, if he hadn't had those injuries – it, you never would have gotten J.J. Watt. 25 like, a year at that yeah, point. At least 25. I mean, it, it, him in his prime, you're arguing that he's up there with Aaron Donald. He put up the same kind of numbers. If you could get Aaron Donald right now, how much would he cost in the open market? That's what it would have been for J.J. Watt. So you're, you are saving based on that. And what you're saving in the money is the risk you're taking with all the things Kyle just said. And if not for the rookie quarterback contract, Kyle, this can't happen. This probably isn't even a possibility. It's certainly not reality unless you have Kyler Murray on that rookie deal. And once again, more evidence, they're shoving all those chips in the middle of the table while they have that dynamic at play. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the key to all this. You have the luxury because you have a star quarterback that's making a really low salary. I think his cap hit might be $10 million this year. And you give Kyler Murray market value, maybe that's between 35 to 40 million based on what he's done. We'll see what happens with extension talks, but that type of uh, window wouldn't surprise me. So you're saving 25, 30 million dollars ish. And you look at the DeAndre Hopkins trade and the JJ Watt signing, you can't exactly do a one for one, but basically use that money that you'd be paying a veteran quarterback and you're able to get these two star players. So I think it's just the latest evidence that a really good way to win in the NFL is to have a good quarterback on a rookie deal because you can really put a lot of talent around him. And, and that's clearly what Steve Kine is doing. And look, let's face it. The best way to deal with Russell Wilson and the Rams making a deal for Matthew Stafford is to bolster your pass rush. Last the Cardinals saw Matthew Stafford, lest I remind everyone, was week three, and he had a heck of a fourth quarter, or I'm looking at it right now. He went 10 of 13 for 144 yards passing in the fourth quarter alone and led that game-winning drive at the very end to set up the game-winning field goal. So you have the right, and you should be afraid, of Matthew Stafford coming to the Rams with all the other talent, and now you're facing that twice a year. Russell Wilson, as I tweeted out, although I didn't use an exclamation point on this one, I said, look, <laughs> if Russell Wilson is tired of getting hit now, what do you think is going to happen in the future? You don't think the Russ, team Russell Wilson in his camp isn't sitting around going, wait a minute, in my division, I have Aaron Donald and Nick Bosa is coming back and Chandler Jones is coming back and they just added J.J. Watt. Uh, Russell Wilson here, Kyle, might want to expand his list of teams on the old trade list to waive his no trade clause. 
And you can look up the uh, the stats of Chandler Jones versus Russell Wilson because it's been it has not, <clears throat> not been pretty for Russell Wilson so far. And now I think Chandler Jones even tweeted about it. Like I feel bad for Russell Wilson in this situation. And if Chandler does what he's done in the past, now you add JJ Watt. It's been there have been some major sack parties against the Seahawks in past years, and the Cardinals would love to complete continue that and bring JJ Watt into the mix this time. Here's what's hilarious. I mean, guys, what what are we talking about when we're talking about Russell Wilson being all uh, angry at the organization and all the things that have come out lately and why he's even talking about a trade? What's the number one reason? Our offensive line stinks. And now you you just handed him another reason why I can't have a stinky offensive line, which, you know, if they want to stay stinky, that's okay with me. And, and, you know, did you guys read that story, by the way, and Russell Wilson was an in-depth, long-form story on it. It was really interesting. And the, the adjustments that defense has made over the second half of the season and the effectiveness they had against Russell, and, and we saw a little bit of it in, in the games against the Cardinals, and just the reluctance at times to even get rid of the ball and the way he appeared confused at times. And so uh, I know there's so much has been made about Russell Wilson and his desire just to get to a bigger market or at least have a bigger platform to get to a bigger brand where he can maximize those endorsements. And a lot of the speculation has been driven from the business side that Dak Prescott in his first two years as Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback had $50 million earned in endorsements. Russell Wilson hasn't even come close to that in his Seattle career. He has one major endorsement and Dak has about a half dozen. And so a lot of that, but look, the reality is that he has been sacked almost 400 times in his nine years. And now Kyle, with the Cardinals bolstering their pass rush, that is a reality that if he truly wants to play to the age of a Tom Brady, guess what? I mean, as durable as he has been and as reliable as he has been missing virtually zero snaps his entire NFL career, if they don't figure that out, his future is in jeopardy for real. And some of that is on Russell Wilson. I don't think we should get that twisted. Like he, he'll sit back there a long time and scan the field and then do his escape artist stuff. He's not like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning getting the ball out in two seconds. I mean, he holds the ball and, and will look around and try to make something out of nothing. So I think that's part of him, but I agree that the offensive line there has not been great. And it goes back to what we've been talking about paying the quarterback when you're giving Russell Wilson $40 million a year and you have to pay Tyler Lockett and Bobby Wagner and you trade for Jamal Adams. I mean, these guys have to make some money and you don't have the resources to spread it around everywhere. And that's just a fact of life when your quarterback is making market value. So Russell Wilson, I'm sure wants to be in an ideal situation and maybe he does want to leave, but if you're the Seahawks, I don't see how you trade Russell Wilson. I mean, it's a huge dead cap hit. You're not in rebuilding mode right now. Like it would make a lot more sense to me for Houston to trade to Sean Watson, try to get it back a bounty of picks, get some cap space and rebuild. The Seahawks aren't in a rebuilding phase. They feel like they're very competitive year in and year out, which they are. And they want to keep going for Super Bowls. So I would be shocked if Russell Wilson got traded. I think it would just have to be a complete dissolution of that relationship between him and the front office for that to happen. And look, Jimmy G takes a lot of heat. And for the second straight offseason, the Niners appear to have wandering eyes when it comes to their quarterback position. But when he's healthy, he's won like 75% of his games with his San Francisco 49ers. In his last fully healthy season, they went to the Super Bowl. 
So with Jimmy G coming back, along with Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson, more evidence of the need and urgency to, of the Cardinals to bolster their pass rush, which they just did. And Darren, we talk about what it does for potentially Hassan Reddick, Marcus Golden, uh, other interior. But what about what it does for Chandler Jones? What is this that Chandler offered to be J.J. Watt's personal chef? If he signed with the Cardinals, is this has this come about as a joke afterwards, or was this actually thrown out there before J.J. Watt signed on the line that is dotted? It's my understanding that he threw that out beforehand. It was part of his recruiting ploy uh, to try and get J.J. Watt here. No, I can neither confirm nor deny whether J.J. Watt even cares if Chandler Jones might make him some food. Uh, I did. I got to give props to Catherine Fitzgerald from the Republic, who tweet quote tweeted that tweet about how he's going to uh, do that and said, uh, tired, uh, let Russ cook wired let Chandler cook I did enjoy that tweet very much Um, but look clearly and we've already talked about it some I mean Chandler benefits big time in this I mean I I would expect some consideration to a Chandler Jones extension just because it would lower his number this year which is pretty hefty over 20 million dollars cap hit right now if you extend them you can definitely make that lower I don't know where they would go with that I don't know what he's expecting I know if I'm the Cardinals I'm assuming Chandler Jones is going to be healthy. And I'm assuming when you add JJ Watt, there's a good chance Chandler Jones could have a big year. So you certainly would like to get something done sooner rather than later and not be in a position where he throws up some unbelievable numbers, assuming he stays healthy and and this team does really well. And then all of a sudden he's got a lot of leverage. So, uh, you know, look, Chandler's got to be thrilled. Vance Joseph has got to be thrilled. I, I just, can there be downside to this? Just like we were talking about before, could JJ Watt get banged up? Uh, yes, that absolutely can happen. That could happen with anybody though. That can happen with any free agent, you know, that you sign, it, it, you could end up with a Robert Alford situation. And we've all forgotten about Robert Alford, but here's a guy who signed a three-year deal and he's about to go into year three. I don't know if he's actually going to get there, but he's missed two complete seasons because of freak injuries. You, you don't know, but I will say given the circumstances, given where they are, given what you know, Kyle talked about with pushing your chips in for this year, year three of Kyler Murray, and, and that kind of consideration, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think this team, and you've said it before, you said it earlier, Paul, I mean, you got to keep up with the Joneses in this division. And this was a way to try and do that. Fans are not happy that they, the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs this year. Ownership is not happy they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, there's a there's a lot of urgency to this season, and this signing reflects that. Here's the stat. Most sacks in the NFL since 2012. Chandler Jones, 97. J.J. Watt, 95 and a half. One and two in the NFL in sacks since 2012. I mean, let's daydream here for a moment on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, and or Jimmy G comes to the line on third and 11, fourth quarter games on the line, and they're under center, and they're scanning the Cardinals defense. Okay, I got 55 over here. I got 99 in the B gap. He's making grunting sounds, screaming he's going to tear my head off. I've got a son Reddick over on the other side, and oh, wait a minute, Isaiah Simmons now mugging the A gap. Buda Baker is flashing maybe he might come and you don't know with Vance Joseph I mean think of all that Kyle that Darren I mean think of what a quarterback has to process because you always hear quarterbacks say I break the huddle and I got to look and see okay where is a certain player or two well now there could be about five guys that could be the x-factor 
Well, first of all, I'm going to let Kyle answer that question because I, I, I feel bad because of the emotion that you just put into that whole segment. But I do want to say, as you open it up, we're, we're not sure he's going to wear 99. 99 is one of the few numbers the Cardinals have retired in honor of Marshall Goldberg, uh, a four-time All-Pro running back in the 40s who also was in the Navy. So 99 is retired. And so I'm not 100% sure he's going to wear 99. We'll have to see how that goes. But it is one of the Cardinals' retired numbers. Okay, now that's some knowledge right there. So March really does come in like a lion. First of all, Marshall Goldberg, a running back, wore 99. <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've, I've heard the name. He's an all-timer in Cardinals history and lore, but I, I was not aware what number he retired. I was not aware. It's one of the few numbers that have been retired. Uh, that's interesting. Boy, okay. Um, I wonder if a member of Marshall Goldberg's family might be contacted and asked for the right to waive that right to wear number 99 perhaps that's me i'm just surmising going forward that'll be uh that'll be something to watch i think no matter if it's 99 98 90 whatever it is he's gonna be a beast like you said and in the b gap chandler jones it's it's interesting what teams are are gonna think when they see that because i do agree when you've got isaiah simmons and buddha baker on that second and third level that brings another aspect to this where beyond the blitzing if they're in coverage both of those guys are athletic freaks and i think kind of the the middle of your defense is really really solid right now and i just keep thinking okay what are you doing at corner though because you got byron murphy in the slot and everything looks great for about eight or nine of your starters right now i think you can pencil him in and you really like this defense except cornerback, which is a very important position. So what happens? I mean, yeah, you want Patrick Peterson back. Maybe you can draft a guy and bring him in, but that's the biggest wild card left for me this offseason is what's cornerback going to look like on this defense that's shaping up to be pretty impressive. All right, Paul, you're, you're super close to Patrick. Is he going to take a, a big discount to play with J.J. Watt? I was just going to pose that question. You know, I think of Pat and I think of a minimum two-year deal, three-year deal gets it done, whether it's with the Cardinals or another team. But does this change the thought process? And if he faces the grim reality of the market conditions, which were hinted at by both Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports, that veteran players, and Pat had his name dropped as an example, in both, both times they were, he was cited, uh, by the decision makers, and he's maybe in return for taking a haircut, much less than he anticipated. He goes, okay, give me a one and done, a make it and, and prove it type of deal. And he plays for less this year and maybe tries to bolster his standing and net worth and value in the next round of contract negotiations, this time next year, Kyle. And, and he does so playing behind a really fierce pass rush that would make any secondary look good. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great pass rush and it'd be an ideal situation for him, but I think Patrick Peterson is too good and has too much of a track record of success for him to automatically think that way. I mean, I'm sure in his mentality, he's still thinking I'm going to free agency and whether it's the Cardinals or another team, somebody's going to give me a solid deal. I mean, pandemic or not diminished salary cap or not look what I can bring to a contender. And I think if anybody gives him pretty fair to his market value, I don't think Patrick Peterson can turn that sort of thing down in order to come back and play for a fraction of that. So I feel the same way about every player, like in the NFL, these 
contracts aren't completely guaranteed. Like you have to get your money, even if it's, even if you have to leave the spot you've been for 10 years. I mean, I just think that's the reality of the situation where if Patrick Peterson gets an offer of three or $4 million a year more from a team away than here, I don't think you can turn that down. So that being said, if we're two weeks into free agency and the market doesn't develop, then yeah, I think that makes a lot more sense. But to me, if he's going to be one of those first wave guys, he's not going to be a hometown discount type player, which nobody should be in my opinion. I just wonder, does the hometown factor more into Pat P's decision-making than your typical player? His wife is a doctor. I believe she's still doing her residency here in the AZ. There might be other ramifications or qualifying reasons you would make a decision to stay, especially on a, on a one-year type deal. If it's- and maybe if it's close, like if, if the offers are close, then I could see that happening. It, it just kind of depends on, on the different type of offers that are on the table for him, in my opinion. And I also think that your Patrick is probably past the point. And look, if he, he, you're not going to, if you're Patrick Peterson, I don't see you taking a one-year deal saying, I want to see what the market is next year when things are better. I don't, you're getting older. I mean, you're, it's not, it's not quite the same thing as if you're Hassan Reddick and next year you're only going to be 27 and you could still, I mean, his leverage is only going to go down as he ages Patrick Peterson, that is. So I think, I think he's going to be looking for the best deal he can get for the most amount of money. Um, obviously you want to go to a good situation. I do think, I do think he wouldn't mind staying here. And I think that only increases with the idea that JJ Watt's going to be here, but um, I think the Cardinals know that too. And, and we'll kind of have to see where that goes. I just reminded myself, by the way, JJ Watt is an Arizona Cardinal. I did that <laughs> numerous times per week, a year ago at this time when Deandre Hopkins when we were all notified and you just had to stop and give yourself a real time reminder. D hop is coming to the Cardinals. JJ Watt is coming to the Cardinals. Have you seen some of the reaction that has poured in from the other sports teams around the Valley? Uh, Tori Lavella, the D backs manager opened up his zoom presser today by stating, uh, I'd like to welcome JJ Watt to the Valley. And I look forward to seeing him play on Sundays. Rick Tockett, head coach of the Arizona coyotes said he's going to put JJ Watt, on the same line as Connor Garland, hashtag find a minute of American and quote, see if anybody wants to touch Gars if JJ <laughs> Watt is on the same line with Connor Garland, because of course he can't use his real name. It's hockey. Everyone's got half their name turned into a nickname. So that's the way it works, Darren. You know that having yeah. covered the Coyotes on a daily basis. So, you know, when you're, I don't know about you guys, I immediately within the first 10 minutes of the news breaking got text messages from six dudes. I haven't talked to in more than a year. Probably I haven't talked to since the Andre Hopkins trade went down. So, I mean, I guess that's where I stand on their contact list. I'm not worthy of being communicated with except in case of emergency break glass, the Cardinals have made a Mondo signing. I mean, the reality is, is we become very popular when something like this happens, Paul. I mean, uh, that's, that's just how it goes. I mean, you're normally popular. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, right. but, but clearly, I had the same thing. I, my, I wouldn't say it's people that I never talked to, but my phone definitely blew up. And uh, just with a lot of wows, there might have actually been a couple exc- exclamation points in there. <laughs> As there should have been. All right, just because you guys don't, you know, engage in the use of the exclamation point, there's a reason it exists. And if not J.J. Watt, then when? For whom? That's what I want to know. 
You're right, Paul. Like the last two off seasons, it's been one of the biggest acquisitions of the entire NFL offseason, DeAndre Hopkins. And even though we're early, J.J. Watt is still going to be one of the biggest. And normally fans dream about these types of scenarios and they don't come to fruition because you don't often get superstars. And for it to happen two years in a row is, is very intriguing. And like we've been talking about, I think it underscores the point where the Cardinals are in a team building phase where they're going for it right now with Kyler on a rookie deal. And they're trying to get as much premium talent as possible. And I think kudos to Steve Kime to continuing to build up this thing and really pushing his chips in. So Darren, I don't think I got your reaction to my overriding point here. And, and, and Kyle gave me, begrudgingly gave me a little bit of approval, even though you can't quantify this in an analytic. To me, once again, the Arizona Cardinals address their biggest offseason need, intensity, urgency, and just general, uh, you know, consistency when it comes to effort on the football field. Too often, that was cited as a problem last year. It was too costly in 2020. Week 16, whether it was a week three loss against the Lions, week four at Carolina, most certainly, it was a persistent problem. The lack of consistency when it comes to effort, intensity, urgency. To me, this goes a long way. Just the type of person J.J. Watt is, just the sheer energy he brings and his willingness to be the guy. There's some guys who are quiet leaders. That's not J.J. Watt. He's the guy who's going to lead the pregame huddle on the road, and you're going in a key game in December, and he's the one getting everybody fired up. Or maybe you have a slow start to a game. He's the guy who has the gravitas to work the entire sideline and make sure everybody is dialed in and focused on the task at hand. And, and too many times, Darren, you know, we were one of the few people on the road watching the Cardinals. Too often you look down on the sideline and you're like, wow, I, I mean, we got to break out the jumper cables. I mean, seriously, this, this team needs a jump start. Uh, here's the deal, Paul. I, I'm going to split the difference a little bit. I don't disagree. I think that is needed. To say it was the biggest problem, I mean, J.J. Watt is not going – well, I, at least I don't think he's going to be carrying the football on fourth and one to try and gain an extra yard or blocking for the Chase Edmonds. I do not think they're going to be sending him out on pass patterns to draw, to draw the defense away from DeAndre Hopkins more often. Uh, I don't think he's going to be blocking for any of those uh, running backs up front. Um, and he certainly can't cover anybody. But I, I do think that part – helps the reality is 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 jj watt had a very solid season last year he was playing with a quarterback who had one of the best quarterback seasons of all time and that team won four games so jj watt isn't everything but i do think the pieces that you talk about that part of it i do think that is something that can help the cardinals and i do think they'll put them in the right direction but and we'll get into this on further podcasts that aren't jj watt centric we, we still have lots to talk about. We still have lots of things that this need, team needs to address and get better at before games actually start. Well, and, and I, look, he can't do everybody's job for him, but he can ensure everybody is completely buying in and everybody is uh, fully vested in doing their job at all times. I, I think that's why I see J.J. Watt, just because we've witnessed it before, guys. I, I can't tell you how many times – Tyron Matthew was that guy in the Cardinals sideline. Calais Campbell was that guy in the Cardinals sideline. And to me, being down there, 
this season the exception, even though it was in the front row and you could see it vividly right there. And in fact, you could hear a lot of times a lot better than you could in a regular season when the stadium was packed. It just was glaring how they were missing that guy. And I presume J.J. Watt's going to go a long way in that category. So we'll see. We'll see. By the way, did you see this, what Kyler Murray just tweeted out? His senior year of high school, he has a picture with J.J. Watt and a 17-year-old Kyler Murray standing with J.J. Watt at some, like, Texas football awards banquet. And they're all dressed in suits and ties. That's a money photo tweeted out there by Kyler Murray. Well, you know, he's, he's got to be happy, A, because of that report we heard earlier that J.J. Watt did care about who his quarterback was going to be, so he's got to feel good about that. And, again, if you're, the, if you're the quarterback of this team, anything the defense can do to get better is, is good. And I, I think that's good. Again, it's not just about getting the fan base hyped up. It's about getting the team hyped up and feeling good about it. And that, that isn't necessarily going to win games. But I can also tell you, if you go into training camp, and I've been around teams like this over the years here and there, if you go into training camp and there aren't any stars and there isn't a lot of hope and you walk into training camp that way, it, we can all say that it's everybody's 0-0 to begin the year, but everybody kind of has an idea of what's coming. And it, clearly that's not what the, the vibe is going to be going into this season. Okay, so does that mean hard knocks is coming? I mean, honestly, the star power – it's TV. We know how this works. Cardinals are just got a lot more intriguing in terms of storylines and star power and reasons for people to tune in. Did they not, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the more intriguing teams, especially on the list of teams that are not just eligible, but have to do it if they're chosen. And the Cardinals are one of a handful of teams on that list. So I think it's a possibility. Um, there's other teams and there's other draws. I don't think it's automatically going to happen, but knowing you got JJ Watt and Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, there's a lot of bona fide superstars on this team. And I think as the offseason goes on, much like last year, I think the hype is going to grow a little bit more as the offseason goes if the Cardinals aren't done. Maybe they add a couple more um, intriguing either free agents or draft picks, and, and people are going to look at this team on paper and, and like the direction they're heading in. So I think it's a possibility. We'll see. I mean, I could, un I could see other teams being also intriguing to producers and, and hard knocks filmmakers. But, yeah, I think the Cardinals will be right in that mix. I'm imagining Cliff Kingsbury's private reaction to something like that or adrian wilson's <laughs> but you know and and i get it i'm with you Derek, because coach is all ball and he's really not into that but he would be a big reason hard knocks would be interested i mean the, one of the first things i saw in some of the networks when the news of the jj watt was once again a reference to his pad in paradise <laughs> valley right you can't tell me they wouldn't work that. They'd be dying to follow the coach home after every practice to his pad in Paradise Valley, and people would tune in to see that. I'm wondering if there's any chance, and I haven't asked him, if, if there's any chance Cliff wishes he hadn't put that picture out. No, I mean, 
there, there, there's so many possibilities. Um, I mean, one half of one episode could just be a tour of his backyard. Just give us a tour of the house in the backyard. Uh, you would draw so many people, and that should be like the debut episode. Him getting ready for training camp practice number one, and here's the cameras at Cliff Kingsbury's house, and he's getting ready for go out on his day, and you know it's 111 degrees, but he's still got the. Uh, you know, the, the fire, you know, you know, it's all fired up in the backyard. You know, I mean, oh, my gosh. In the words of Cliff, it would be super extra. Put it that way. <laughs> I feel like they they can bring back Cribs and that can be the pilot episode <laughs> I, that got canceled. It feels like a few years ago, but Cribs MTV, if they're listening, don't bring don't, it back. Don't bring up number one Cliff Kingsbury Paradise we, Valley. We've had fans asking for Cardinals cribs, including a tour of the facility for years. That's a good idea. Let's not go down that road. That's right, Darren. I mean, you know, with mailbag, you need to get that done. Come on now. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, uh, well, I had my mailbag almost done for this week for Tuesday morning, and now I'm going to have to add some other things because I have a feeling <laughs> I've gotten some since uh, the morning started. <laughs> yeah, you can. That's uh, like you have the whole game story written, and all of a sudden there's two fumbles in the last 30 seconds that changes the outcome of the you game. Mean, you mean like Hail uh, Murray happens? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. How much of your ben story done that. written when when Hale Murray went down? How much of your story did you already have written? Correct. Well, the the first version was done, and yeah. it was uh, talking about a disappointing loss, and the Cardinals were in trouble and couldn't hold on to the lead. And lo and behold, <laughs> signed. Yep. Yep. Well, but what do you think this does? Last that, question. Real here. quick, Paul. I got to tell you another great tweet. Um, somebody reported that. J.J. Watt picked the Cardinals and the Bills were his second choice. And somebody <laughs> answered the tweet by showing the picture of DeAndre Hopkins stealing the ball from the three Bills players again. Nice. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. I thought I thought you were going to say they, they tweeted out a picture of our 71-degree day and whatever the weather was like right now in Buffalo. But, uh, yeah, that's even better. That's, that's some serious flexing right there, no doubt about it. What? Hey, look, here's the other thing. If you're going to have a 17-game season with more national TV games than ever, what do you think this does for their profile, Kyle? I, I mean, if you're going to go have an international game, which we have no idea if they're just going to go ahead and push last year's international game slated for Mexico City and have the Cardinals participate that again, guess what? You just got a lot more marketable as a team when you add J.J. Watt. Yeah, I think J.J. Watt's in that special stratosphere of both marketable athletes in the NFL. He's so well known. I mean, he's, he does a lot for communities. I still remember how much he did um, for Houston from a charitable standpoint. And obviously I don't follow JJ Watt that closely or didn't until uh, this news came out, but you heard about him a lot. So I think he is definitely a marketable guy. And yeah, like you said, you got Cliff Kingsbury who everybody knows Kyler Murray D hop. I mean, if Larry Fitzgerald comes back, you've got that aspect of it. And more than anything, I think the trajectory of the team is important because even if you've got stars, they don't want to put primetime games where they think a team is going to win five games. And when they're on they're two and six, that just doesn't draw the fans, but the Cardinals are certainly on an upward trajectory. I mean, they've gone from 
three wins to five to eight. And now you're in kind of the sweet spot of when you might be peaking as a team. And, and I think the broadcasters and the team, the people that make the primetime decisions, they're going to notice that. So I do feel like the Cardinals will be decently involved. I mean, they're not Dallas and they're not a New York team. So that has to be kept in mind, but from a pure competitive standpoint, I think, I think the people are going to want the Cardinals on prime time. By the way, Paul, uh, there was a lot of talk he would go home to Wisconsin, play for the Packers. Cardinals play the Packers. There was a lot of talk that he was going to go play with the Browns and with Miles Garrett. If there's a 17th game, they play the Browns. They play the Texans. There's 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 JJ Watt centric storylines all over the place for this season. And he's a great guy to have mic'd up. I, there was an NFL Films that I retweeted, and the backstory if you go through the whole thing. The NFL Films cameraman, the first time they ever mic'd up J.J. Watt, I guess one of the guys told one of the national writers who happened to be at the game, and the guy tweeted it out, uh, this is going to be an all-timer. That was the photographer's words when he was leaving the field after the J.J. Watt first mic'd up session. By the way, his charity work, I just Googled it up. Three different sources verify that after Hurricane Harvey, if you remember, J.J. Watt was very proactive trying to raise money. The initial goal was $200,000. Do you know what the final amount of money raised by J.J. Watt and his foundation to, in relief funds to help victims of Hurricane Harvey? $41 million plus wow. raised by his foundation. That's awesome. Think about that. I mean, he's, he's a man of the year. I saw something that uh, since they've been putting the man of the year patches on teams, if Fitz happens to come back, the Cardinals would be the first team with two players with a man of the year patch on. So he's been a man of the year. We all know uh, how great he is for that community and, and how hard it was for Houston to lose him. I mean, this is all due respect to Houston. It's been a rough ride between whether they just went through and then losing two of their well, two of their main football guys over last year. And they traded James Harden and Deshaun Watson wants out. And I don't even know what to say about the Astros. We can talk to the Cubs fan over there, Kyle. But, um, you know, it's it's been a rough ride. But, hey, J.J. Watson, Arizona now, right? Well, the Texans power grid has uh, just permanently been disabled. Put it that way. You know, it's, uh, uh, by the way, um, and I was looking down here a little bit. I haven't heard anything or seen anything from Larry Fitzgerald. What does this mean in context of number 11? I mean, come on now, Kyle. It's got to mean something, right? <laughs> I think it goes back to a lot of the, the Patrick Peterson conversation where there's less salary cap dollars now than there were before this signing. So can he get as much as before? Maybe not, but is this a more attractive team to return to because you feel like they're closer to making a Super Bowl type run? I, I don't know where Larry's head is at and what he values more, but maybe, I mean, that one to me makes more sense as far as the team friendly idea, the point he's at is in his career compared to Patrick Peterson. So we'll see what Larry wants to do, but um I think adding J.J. Watt certainly would make him feel like this team is more competitive, but he just took a big chunk of the salary cap with him, so we'll see. Hey, maybe it takes some of the uh, national TV requests off Larry's plate as well, right? <laughs> he can exist in more anonymity now when the Cardinals go on the road and all the broadcasters want to talk to the stars. They only can select a few, and you know maybe Larry won't be an automatic anymore, and he'd be fine with that, <laughs> as we know, guys. But, Darren, seriously, the one thing, you can agree or disagree. You know Larry as well as anyone. The one thing he values more than anything within the game of football is playoff football, is the postseason. 
So if Larry has a real good sense and he knows what he's looking at, if he has a gut feel that, you know what, this team is bound for the playoffs, I think that only enhances and bolsters the chances he's coming back. Because to me, that's what he covets. He loves January and February football. I will say this because this did go through my mind. I don't know anything. This is purely my speculation. I want to put that uh, out there. But this came out of left field. I didn't know it was coming. Most people didn't know it was coming, clearly. I bet you one person that did know it was coming was Michael Bidwell. And there's nobody closer in this organization to Michael Bidwell possibly than Larry Fitzgerald. So I'm guessing he had an idea it might have been coming or it was going to be a possibility. So who knows? Maybe that's a reason why uh, he's kind of been treading water to see exactly how that plays out. I think you guys kind of, I think, Paul, you might have made that point on a previous podcast. Maybe he was waiting for something. And I thought to myself, well, that's not going to work because they're going to need to know before we get to free agency. And then lo and behold, the one really major move you could make before free agency started with a star player, Cardinals just made. So maybe you were absolutely right. I'm loath to say it, but I am saying it. Well, he's been waiting for something. And, and once the cap was known, and really the cap number wasn't really a surprise. And if the cap deviates by another two or three million at most, does that really change Larry's situation? Does oh. another million, if they throw that his way, make a difference for Larry Fitzgerald incorporated when his portfolio goes up or down every day by a million dollars. Are you kidding me? Based on the outcome of the stock market and the NASDAQ alone, you know, Larry's <laughs> net worth fluctuates by a million dollars every day. You can't tell me that's going to move the meter. There's got to be other things at play. And so it would make sense that if not JJ Watt, then what else? TikTok. Is there something else coming? I see pro football talk is all over the Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson. Now, I'm not going to start that because we're at the very end of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But it does make me wonder, if we don't hear from Larry now by the end of this week, uh, what else might be out there? Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I don't know. It's hard because Larry Fitzgerald doesn't share what he's thinking or what he's doing. Uh, I don't know if this is any sort of domino effect into his thinking or not, but maybe if they continue to add pieces, maybe that does mean he wants to come back for less money and just really try to win a championship, even though he doesn't get the salary that he's gotten basically every single year since he signed his first extension, which is more than $10 million a year. And I mean, it's an interesting question. I'd like to, I wish my net worth was at the point where I wouldn't care if I made a million dollars more or less. I, I'm not at that point yet. I mean, I would prefer $1 million more, um, but maybe Larry Fitzgerald is, feels differently. Well, if JJ Watt needs a tour of Paradise Valley, if Cliff Kingsbury is busy, then uh, Larry's been a longtime resident. So he can, they can do some house hunting together uh, if needed and necessary. So all right, unless anybody else has uh, anything they want to add here uh, on, on the day, the big, big day, J.J. Watt becomes an Arizona Cardinal. Darren, anything, uh, any closing parting words as we were gathered here today and we're now leaving the church and ready to throw the rice? <laughs> Another amazing day, Paul. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you're into your punctuation. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about it again whenever J.J. Watt does talk because I have a feeling he'll have some good things to say, and we can talk about that too. Kyle, what number is J.J. Watt going to take if he can't take 99, by the way? That's the next pressing question that's front burner. I'll say 98. 
98. Okay. Our Jim Almondro says yeah. flip the, the nine around and make it a, a 69, which was worn by Jared Allen once upon a time to pass rushing greatness. Uh, maybe there's something in the works there. Darren, what do you think? Uh, I think those are both lovely possibilities. Maybe 96, <laughs> another flip over. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if that'll be available. Yeah. I'm sure JJ will work it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, once again, Russell Wilson, uh, you might want to enhance your efforts to leave the division. Please do. Uh, based on this latest acquisition, uh, Jimmy G, um, you know, your initials have been Jimmy IR the last few years. So you might really want to uh, do something about leaving the 49ers. And uh, that might be the first impact on opposing quarterbacks uh, is, is they might want to leave the division before they even play J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. We'll see if that's the case. And I'm sure we'll have more to say even later this week on Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs>